Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil Ekelona, and this is Nashville. You see it all over social media. People posed in front of a pair of big white angel wings or some dancing bears or the slogan, Nashville looks good on you. I could go on. Maybe it's an Instagram. Maybe it's Taylor Swift or maybe going way back. It's the work of Harlem Renaissance painter Aaron Douglas at Fisk University. Let's not forget all the graffiti artists and commercial painters. The thing is, Nashville has become a hub for mural art that draws people from all over the world. See what I did there? Today, we're going to learn a little more about some of the murals in our town and talk with a few of the artists that bring this public art to life. But first, if you think the rent is too damn high, well, just try getting a hold of a commercial space. That's what some business owners in East Nashville were having trouble with until a solution popped up at a former car wash. Here with more is WPLN producer Alexis Marshall. Hey, Lexi. Hey, Khalil. How's it going? It's going super well. Fantastic. Great to have you. It's okay. So tell me, how did you discover this story? So actually, our arts and culture reporter, Paige Flager, had sent me an Instagram post just about the wash um, and noticed that it was kind of an intersection of two things that I tend to cover, which are immigrant communities. There was a lot of international food moving into the place um, and kind of a business angle and economics. So I just decided to look into it a little bit further. Okay, so tell me, let me see if I have this right. A former car wash has now been turned into restaurant spaces. How did that come to be? Well, as it turns out, it was a little bit of a lengthy process. Um, This was announced I think more than a year ago, and they they ran into some construction issues, but essentially the developer told me that it seemed like a really great opportunity to give people smaller spaces so that they would be inherently cheaper for restaurant operators to rent and kind of be like that stepping stone between a food truck or a pop-up and having a full-size brick-and-mortar restaurant. So break down, who are some of the vendors that are there? So I'll just kind of go in order. There are six bays at the wash. Uh, In Bay 1, there's a business called Two Peruvian Chefs. They have Peruvian food. There's in Bay 2, Soy Cubano. Um, In Bay 3, the Pokey, which has poke bowls. Um, In Bay 4, Tootsie Lou's Tacos. Bay 5 is... Uh, East Side Pho, who I spoke to for this story, and in Basics is a cocktail bar. So you went to the wash, and so you, like you said, you spoke to some of the vendors, including Gracie Nguyen, who owns East Side Pho, with her husband, Chad Newton. Did you put salt in there? Yeah. So this is uh, spicy uh, garlic chili crisp, and that goes with our BBH noodle soup. What's going to be the best thing on the menu, in your opinion? Well, um, the best, well, my favorite thing is actually the beef and that's what I grew up eating. And that's the, one of the ones that I made the most and I focused because I want to make sure it's perfect. But I want to say, um, I feel like East Nashville, East Nashville is becoming like um, more vegetarian friendly in a town. So I'm really, I can't wait for people to try my vegetarian version of this Vietnamese soup that is not originally vegetarian and for them to try that. 
Okay, now, Lexi, you can't do this to me. I haven't had lunch yet. <laughs> Neither have I. And now I'm super hungry. So, so tell me a little bit about how the wash makes space available to local businesses owners and owners like Gracie. So the way that it works is the wash, like the development itself, took care of building out the space. So they put a lot of the work into the kitchens. And so that made it more affordable for people to come in and just sign a one-year lease. Um, so, so one of the people that I talked to for this story told me that instead of spending like half a million dollars building out his own restaurant as a standalone, he was able to get in the door at the wash for about $30,000. Mm. So that's like a way lower barrier for people who want to start up their own businesses. So, you know, there's a lot of reporting about the high cost and scarcity of residential spaces, but commercial space in Nashville is facing similar issues. Tell me more about that. So, I mean, the property values are are high kind of across the board. And from what I heard from the developer in this story, um, that that's something that a lot of local business owners are struggling with as well. And his main concern was that, you know, long term, if local people who have their own like innovative ideas aren't able to find the space to prove their concepts and grow those businesses, that you end up damaging the character of the city's food scene long term um, because only folks with a lot of money and resources are going to be able to grow their business. Mm-hmm. How do the vendors feel about having a permanent location? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's permanent quite yet. I know that they're on leases, but having a, a solid like brick and mortar location, I think is going to be a game changer. Um, I know that uh, Gracie, who we just heard from, was saying that she wasn't sure if she and her husband would open a second restaurant if it weren't for the wash because they have, you know, East Side Bon Me. But um, but they were saying if they didn't have a space like this, they might not be able to open this second concept at all. So it was a really ex- exciting opportunity for them. And then for people like Javier Salado at uh, Soy Cubano, it was really exciting because he's been doing pop-ups and working out of a um, incubator kitchen. But this is his first time having like a, a solid place where people can consistently go and get his food. Do they see it as maybe a sort of stepping stone for him? Yeah, I, I think that that is how a lot of people are feeling about it. And they specifically targeted um, businesses that have one or fewer locations. So folks who either had one store or just a, a pop-up or or a food truck. So I think it, it's really exciting for a lot of these smaller businesses to be able to get their food, foot in the door and get people to try their stuff. Are there any other supports that come from having their location there? I mean, Gallatin is a really busy street. Um, there's great visibility. It's close to a neighborhood. Um, and, and so there's plenty of uh, folks who will pass by foot traffic wise it's also um it it's interesting because a lot of the business owners there are women and people of color and gracie said that she had never been in an environment before where it was a lot of folks from that background now do you think that more spaces like this will be created i know that they're interested in pursuing at least this particular developer is interested in looking out for other sites where this can be replicated because there aren't a whole lot of micro restaurant spaces. Um, so I know that there's definitely interest for it and we'll just have to see 
um, if they can find the space and make it happen. You alluded to this earlier, but I want to know, how is this different from your normal reporting? So this story was really fun to report. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of the reporting around uh, economics issues and around, I, I particularly work a lot with a lot of immigrants in my reporting, a lot of times it's heavy stuff or um, the reporting on barriers, but it was really exciting to have a new lens for this story where, you know, this is a barrier that's being reduced. And also, you know, I love talking about food mm-hmm. um, and really getting into like the the nitty gritty of like what's going on in the kitchen. So getting to go to a kitchen and, and talk with people about their food and their passion, that was really wonderful. I'm telling you, y'all, if you had one of her Alexis's apple crisps, you would know she <laughs> loves food. So, you know, can you tell me more about some of the other vendors you met? Uh, yes. So Javier Salado, he grew up in Miami and he has soy cubano uh, that's in Bay 2. He was really emphatic about just like how exciting this opportunity was uh, and the fact that he's able to to test out his concept um, I know that he was really excited about being able to offer Cuban coffee here in Nashville. He said that he's found it really hard to come by. So he has cafecitos, which are like espresso that's whipped with sugar to create like this sweet crema on top and also cafe con leche. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited to go and try some of that. Um, also in Bay 6 is a cocktail bar that um, I'm definitely going to have to go try out. Uh, when I stopped in, uh, the the operator there was brewing kombucha, um, which is another thing that I have previously done, and it, it's super fun, like the fermentation science. So there are definitely some really creative things happening in all of these kitchens, in all of these spaces, and uh, it's going to be really fun getting to try them all out. You know, um, I know one thing for sure. We're going to have to head down and try lunch sometime soon. Are you game? Yes, I'm very game. Alexis Marshall is producer at WPLN. You can find her story at WPLN.org. Thanks so much, Lexi. Thank you, Khalil. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have wall-to-wall coverage of Nashville's murals and learn about the history of this public art phenomenon. Tweet us your thoughts about murals in town at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. One thing I look for when I'm driving around town is murals. Of course, I'm paying attention to the road, unlike some folks I've seen out there, but you can, can't really help but notice the public art that's all over town. While a lot of these murals are of the newer variety, Nashville has a long history of murals a history that goes back 100 years. My next guest knows all about that and joins us now. Lakeisha Moore is the coordinator for Fisk Gallery and a muralist herself. Lakeisha, welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining us. So Fisk University has some of the oldest murals in Nashville. Tell me mm-hmm. more about that. Yeah, uh, Aaron Douglas actually came in the 1930s and he worked on the murals in Corbath Hall, which was the former library of the school. And yes, he, he, he came in, in the 1930s, 
originally, but then in 1966, he came back to restore them. So yes, they, they have been there for, for uh, many years. And, and even when he came back, he, he realized there were some things that he would change uh, in those murals. So as an, the artist and educator, you know, mm-hmm. of Aaron Douglas, tell me, how did he come to Fisk? Well, he was he was invited actually to paint the murals, uh, and as an artist and educator, uh, he also um, served as an art education education professor. And then in the nineteen forties, he started the art department. So he has a long history with Fisk. Uh, he was there for over um, I want to say 29, 30 years, uh, and, and he, he and he left his mark. Uh, in that program and and his mark is all around us, you know, and on the walls uh, and even in our current exhibition, he he has a couple of pieces or there are a couple of pieces of his work in that, in the exhibition. How would you describe his legacy here in Nashville? You know, his legacy is, is, is one of intention. Um, he was an artist and he also believed in the strength of a liberal arts education, which is why I think he was, he was, he was so um, keen on um, reflecting the work of Fisk as well as a center for liberal arts education. And then also using um, art and, and using the visual, his visual language to show the contributions of African-Americans and, and he was unapologetically, you know, um, speaking to this legacy. So I think he he's his legacy for me. Um, it doesn't focus on himself, but it focuses on the collective. Um, and I think that's really important to note, you know, because he he wasn't uh, he he was one that um, that spoke to spoke to the collective and not just uh, himself. So as I mentioned, you're a muralist yourself. Tell me, mm-hmm. how did you get started? Uh, how did I get started? It's, um, someone asked me to, to, to paint a mural. Hmm. Um, the, the first one I did, actually, when I was 18, I, I painted several smaller murals in an office building. That was my first job out of high school. Um, and then 20-something years later, uh, in, I believe it was 2016 or 17, Warner Arts Magnet, now Warner Arts Magnet, um, they asked me to paint uh, a mural that focused on the multitude of careers that the students could could choose from, right? And actually, I, I chose the silhouetted form, you know, that that most of us know know Douglas for, and um, and in that silhouetted form, I think the 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 importance of of the the kids knowing that they could do this, you know, was the, was the emphasis. And, you know, so that's how I got started. And then, you know, as you, as you kind of meet different, you know, other artists, um, you kind of combine or, or, or get together and collaborate and that happens. And, you know, so that's how I got my start. You know, when you design and plan new work, tell me, where do you draw your inspiration from? Well, actually I, I draw from, artists like Douglas or I draw from from my um, friends who are mirrorless, you know, who have been doing it longer than I have. We talk and we flush out ideas. Um, and de- depending on whether or not I'm the lead artist or if I'm in the in the collective of artists, 
um, I just kind of add add what I what I um, you know think could be in there, or you know we 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 work together you know on it, and it's not and it's not one uh, it's it's not it's it well it's many voices coming together. Um, Collaboration. I love that. If, if you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Ekelona. We're talking this hour about the long history of murals in our city and the stories they tell. I'd like to introduce my next guests. Michael Cooper is a muralist and owner of Murals and More, who's been working in Nashville's on the walls for more than 30 years. And Brian Greif is the co-founder of the Nashville Walls Project. Michael and Brian, welcome both of you to the show. And a good afternoon to you. So morning. So, Mike, tell me, how did you get started in painting murals? Oh, good Lord. I, I have um, always simply painted on walls. I never have really done gallery work or canvas work. I mean, is even from a kid, I was <laughs> asked my parents, always painting on the walls. And hmm. uh, growing up, whether it would be in the uh, in, in a community center, in a church, in a school, if somebody needs something painted on the wall, I'd do it. Why? Because it was fun <laughs> and I could do it. And it was no problem. It wasn't uh, challenging in a way that, um, you know, the size or the scope scared me. I just thought it is just a large canvas and just have at it. Uh, ended up uh, years later, uh, now my wife, but girlfriend at the time uh, saw a mural that I had done. She had no clue I could paint, none whatsoever. I was living in an apartment and painted something on the wall. She looked at it and thought it was wallpaper. I said, no, I did that. And she did not believe me, made me show her the paint clothes that I had hmm. thrown away. I think I'd picked up paint and brushes from like Walmart, got inspired one night. Did that seal and, the deal? Oh, that was the deal. No, of course not. She was horrible. She wouldn't marry me for years. But <laughs> the uh, it was it was one of those things where uh, later on uh, I was uh, tired of my career, uh, which was uh, commercial contract interior design uh, and uh, office interiors. And she said, well, why don't you paint murals? You're pretty good at that. It's like, seriously, you can make money doing that? She goes, sure. So I uh, painted up, uh, got some... Uh, incredibly gross fluorescent orange business cards and started handing them out to uh, people I had dealt with uh, for years and years. And all of a sudden I was busy and I'm painting projects. And that was 32 years ago. So uh, this is what I do. This is, this is my business. This is what I do for a living. So and, tell me, uh, tell me about like the different styles of murals. Oh, there are tons. Uh, you <laughs> you have what's, I think we talked about this when we first got here, you have what's considered simply art, uh, and but you have uh, graffiti, uh, you have street art, and then you have more artistic murals. Now, I'm not saying that to uh, denigrate or put down street art or graffiti. Everybody's got their own style, and, and a lot of that is just absolutely fabulous work. Uh, I'm more... Technical, I guess you'd say. I, I specialize more in what's called trompe l'oeil, uh, which means to fool the eye. So I, I'm more, um, uh, not, not necessarily from an architectural standpoint, but it's more detailed work. Uh, a lot of the aerosol work that's out there right now, I'm simply amazed at. Uh, I think I bought my very first spray can a 
a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to try it out, and I, it's still sitting there. I still haven't done it yet. But everything I do is brushwork. Okay. But people who are out there doing doing spray work and things like that do marvelous work. I'm I'm envious. I I couldn't do that at all. Brian, talk to me about the Nashville Walls Project. How did it get started, and what was the goal? Um, well, I was living. The co-founder, my the co-founder of the project, Ava Boros, and I were living in San Francisco. And we're really involved in the art scene there. And we both decided to leave San Francisco in 2014. And I'd lived in Nashville before I'd come back for a visit and saw the growth and lots of big empty walls. And we came up with the idea of moving to Nashville to try and bring, you know, more mural projects to Nashville into the Southeast part of the United States. So how did you involve local artists? Well, we started working with local artists right away. We've done, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the large scale walls and murals that we've done with international artists ranging from, you know, the first series of murals that we did on the Cornerstone building downtown with uh, artists duo out of Germany named Heracoot, the Pitbull mural, or the large female portrait on the other side of that building, which was done by Roan, an artist out of Australia or the giant Lee Estes mural on the old grain elevator out in the nations that Guido Van Helton from Australia did. But we've done in Nashville far more murals with local artists. And we did our best to connect with the local artists as soon as we got to Nashville and involved them in everything from <clears throat> helping them secure their own funded murals to using them to assist the bigger international artists. Uh, and I think a lot of the local artists would tell you that was very valuable to them you know, working with Guido Van Helton or Kiriat out of Mexico, you know, or Shu out of Amsterdam and learning techniques from them, spending time with them, being able to network with them, really help the local artists with their careers. Now, Michael, you've been in the game for 30 years. Oh, even longer. How did Nashville really develop into this mural town? Oh, I, I actually think Brian had a lot to do with it. I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll give the boy credit. Mm -hmm. uh, getting uh, getting folks uh, on some walls. I've been you know painting a long time, but the the type of artwork that you'll see popping up everywhere uh, that that has become very very popular. And and I'll I'll give them credit. I think they got that off the ground. Uh, a lot of my stuff is still out there. It's been out there for for decades, but the type of uh, of work they got going it's uh it's done well uh it's given a lot of the artists a lot more freedom to uh take on a blank wall and and do what they want to do on it lakeisha you know what in your opinion what made nashville a good place for this mural boom mr mural boom if that's what we want to call it <laughs> well i think it because nashville is is, is growing in such a um a quick rate and but there, there's so much history, like, on, and and then to 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 emphasize the history through using the walls and and, and really like um, bringing a, a a new sense, a new wave, you know, to these spaces, you know, that have been maybe forgotten or overlooked, um, but but now they're they're so activated, you know, it, it just adds to the growth and it also kind of it almost maybe helps you slow down a little bit, even though there's so much happening, you can can stop and take a moment and look at these images, look at these pieces. And it just kind of gives you that, that the, the sense of, yeah, this is right. You know, this is good. And, and I don't know, for, for me, I think that that's part of, um, I, 
I think um, it, what's helped uh, with with the murals, but then also you know having you know such growth in Nashville, it was it was a the the right time for it. You know, we're talking about growing fast. Brian, you came from the Bay Area, San Francisco. Do you see any parallels between what's happening in Nashville now and the Bay Area? Um, actually, no. It's funny because San Francisco, for a long time, was a major destination for not only you know, local artists, regional artists, but international artists, because it was one of the few cities you could go to paint whatever you want on any wall and the police wouldn't bother you. Mm -hmm. You know, unless you shot somebody while you were doing your mural, the police wouldn't bother you. Let's hope not. And so for a long time, San Francisco was one of the top mural cities, I would say anywhere in the world. And then because of the type of development that started happening in San Francisco, um, people just started saying no to murals. And the mural scene in San Francisco, you know, we haven't done a project in San Francisco. The last project I did in San Francisco was, in, was with an artist out of South Africa, Faith 47, and that was 2017. So the mural scene there is really calmed down. There are other cities that I think are a lot like Nashville in terms of growth. And they could be, you know, cities like Gainesville, Florida, where the University of Florida Florida is has a very active mural scene, uh, international artists, local artists, regional artists, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, uh, Austin, Texas, all have very similar mural, you know, uh, mural programs like Nashville. You know, clearly people in Nashville are saying yes. Mike, I wonder, you know, how do businesses approach you for commissions? Uh, Great question. Uh, basically, they 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 know of my work. Uh, I, I like to think I've built a, a little bit of a reputation. So they simply give me a concept. We have a wall. Uh, we need something on this. We love your style. We'd love to talk with you about what you can come up with for the wall. And that's what happens. By the way, I'm, I'd like to address something. Brian, Brian Mitz, he, he, I would like to give a shout out to Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia has an amazing mural program, and they've had it for years. Jane Golden has done a fabulous job with that and gotten the city involved in helping to fund the murals uh, that are done around the city. And that's something that Nashville has not done. Uh, Nashville has um, had a, a pretty light expectation, the city itself, when it comes to murals. So everything else has, has to be either uh, commissioned by the clients or, or, or self uh, done by the artists themselves. Nashville uh, needs to do more like what Philadelphia has done and throw some money at some, some decent walls and get some decent artwork out there uh, and stand behind the artist, uh, the local artist. There's amazing talent here. Uh, stand behind them, get them paid, get some decent work up there. That's something that has not been done. Lakeisha, what's your response to that? How do you feel? No, I, I think it's true because uh, even uh, artists in North Nashville, they've been making murals for years and, and, and a lot of times it's just hard to, to, to get them funded. And so that, that's an, a, an aspect that has, that has made it tough and difficult for local artists, you know, simply having the funding and, and the true backing um, behind their work. 
You know, I moved here from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and in 2018 they had what is called the Albuquerque Mural Fest, where they had local artists and international artists come and do, I, I believe it was like 34 walls in 30 days. And the energy, they got the city of Albuquerque and local businesses and nonprofits to be a part of it. The energy created around town after that was really something truly, truly special. Brian, was that a little bit of the goal that you and Eva had when you created the Nashville Walls Project? You know, it's funny. I don't, I don't know that we had any expectation. We just, you know, we're trying to bring something new and add to the art scene in Nashville. I'd lived in Nashville before, loved the city. I've lived there twice, uh, reluctantly moved to LA in uh, about three years ago, but we still do murals in Nashville. We're, we're going to start one next week in the nations with an uh, artist out of New York named Bo Stanton. Um, so I don't think we went in with any expectations. And honestly, you know, we moved there at the beginning of 2014. We weren't able to do our first murals until the spring of 2016. Because what we were trying to do is do very large scale murals, you know, and try and make an impact. And we were turned down by building owners for two years until Dan Maddox, the guy that owns the Cornerstone building, said, yeah, paint every wall of my building. And once we did the murals on the Cornerstone building, then all of a sudden, a lot of the major, you know, development companies in Nashville were reaching out to us saying, we want murals too. So I think we went in just with the idea of we'd like to add something if possible. We're not sure what form it'll take. Uh, but after two years of knocking on doors and being turned down, thanks to Dan Maddox, uh, everything just sort of exploded. Interesting. Now, I want to ask this question. Um, in your opinion, where do you see the, fural, the future of murals headed here in Nashville? Brian. Well, I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger. We're seeing it, in, you know, in almost every city, people have realized that, you know, there's some reluctance, you know, what we used to hear when we were trying to secure our first walls were, well, you know, this is going to promote graffiti and there'll be graffiti everywhere. If you do this, um, you know, I want to be able to control the art and tell the artist what to paint. And then when they saw what was possible, and we always try to guide the building owners. It's like, they're not sign painters, they're artists. The more creative freedom you give them, the better the mural's gonna, going to be. And I think people now trust the process and trust the artists and see what the value is. For a lot of these development companies, they realize that it adds the, to the value of the building and it changes the neighborhood. You've seen it in places like Wynwood, Miami, which is arguably the largest mural area neighborhood anywhere in the world and that started because there was a real estate developer named tony goldman that owned some property in winwood that had been burned during the overtown riots and it was such a, a you know neglected area and tony was trying to figure out a way to change the area and increase the value of his property and he talked to jeffrey deitch who's a very well-known art curator and Jeffrey said bring some artists in and have them do murals and that's turned into a huge uh event during art basel the first week of december every year also the largest art fair in the world they'll have 300,000 people in winwood watching people paint murals 
Wow, that's something that Nashville could definitely use, and I'm sure it would be a blast. That is Brian Greif, co-founder of the Nashville Walls Project. Muralists Lakeisha Moore and Michael Cooper stick with us through the break. When we come back, we're going to check out the current scene of murals in our city and talk about the different mediums that paint pictures of our neighborhoods. Tweet us about your favorite mural in town at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. We are talking about the amazing murals in our city. Some are monumental, like the portrait of Lee Estes in The Nations. Others are pretty small. Shout out to any book nerds listening. In other words, many sizes, many styles. My, get, my next guest knows all about style. Jesus Sigala is also known as Ghosty Lokes is an airbrush and graffiti artist. He joins us now. Ghosty, welcome to This Is Nashville. Hey, what's up, Khalil? I'm sure. glad to be here. Good to have you, my man. Thank you for being with us. So take me back to the beginning of your artistic journey. How did you get into graffiti art? Well, I've been into art ever since I was a kid. You know, uh, I, I started drawing before I could even write. So, uh, But as far as uh, graffiti goes, that that was like right before high school and the beginning of high school. And it started off as actual graffiti, you know, like, cause there is a difference between uh, murals and street art and graffiti. So if somebody wants to be fresh, I know this, they got to put in the work and graffiti is a lot more difficult than what most people think it is. So tell me, what was it like as you developed your skills? What were the steps? Uh, well, for me, it was always just a form of expression you know, uh, without boundaries, without money being into it, without nobody telling you what to paint and uh, without anybody's approval, whether, you know, that'd be a good or a bad thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, for me, it was just practice and practice, man. I mean, there's no other way to, to do it uh, unless you actually do it. Get out there and uh, pick up a can, you know what I'm saying? And put in the work, like you said, it takes years to develop the can control, the style and things of that nature. Now, I know that, you know, there's different styles. There's there's a difference between like throwing up your tag and then throwing up a piece. Can you break that down for the audience? Yeah, for sure. So uh, the bones of it all is the tag. So that's like, you know, the, the structure. And then from there, you got a throwy throw up, you know, which is like a bubble letter style of your name, which comes from the tag. And then from there, it develops into a piece you know, you put more colors, more uh, special effects and things of that nature. And then, you know, once you have two, three, four, five artists working together, then it becomes a production. Now, we have muralist Michael Cooper here with us. He was just telling me that he is going to try some aerosol art and he brought a spray can and he's having trouble working it. Are you down to give him some tips? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. It's fun. You know, like I love it. That's why I love it. Any type of spray spray art, that's that's my jam. I haven't even got, I haven't even put the tip on the thing yet. I am scared to death of it. But uh, <laughs> now, now I'll, I'll talk to you about brushes all day long, 
all oh, day sure, long. Yeah, that's the we'll fundamentals. See. Oh, yeah. That's we'll we'll just rush this and I'll show you how to cut with a roller, but not a spray can. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, man, we can get together. I can do know. that. Perfect. You know, go see. Tell me, you also are an airbrush artist. So how is airbrush different from working on a wall? Uh, well, the biggest difference for me would be the size because uh, I don't usually airbrush murals unless it's on a car or something like that. But uh, the size and also when I airbrush, I'm, I'm more or less um, confined to the to the surface that I'm working on. And when I'm on the wall, whether it be graffiti or a mural that's actually like paid for, um, it just gives me more liberty and freedom. As they were discussing earlier, just, you know, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like getting on that wall and just doing your thing, you know, like you have full expression. Tell me about some of the themes of your work. Uh, well, my work is more based on like, uh, like street culture, uh, Latino, Mexican culture, you know, a lot of influence from the West Coast, um, lettering, you know, script lettering, stuff like that. And of course, graffiti. So it's, it's a mixture of all that together. Lakeisha, we've got a brush artist and a spray can artist. Where do you stand on this? I'm more of a brush artist. Uh, shout out to, to Alicia, but uh, Queen B, she actually, when when we uh, work together on murals, she comes around and and, and does the the um, the aerosol, but no, I'm strictly a brush artist right now. <laughs> okay. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour with graffiti artist Ghosty Lokes and muralists Lakeisha Moore and Michael Cooper about the mural and public art movement in our city. So, Michael, we've just been talking with Ghosty Lokes about his work and how he's honed his craft. Tell me, what does what does the new generation do differently from old school artists? I would say it leans more towards the uh, more towards graffiti and street art. Uh, I would l personally love to see more uh, people who are more, I guess you'd say, more classical. Uh, you know, my influence from the very beginning and being uh, artists like Richard Haas or Jim Pugh, very, uh, very realistic, uh, very much a, a trompe l'oeil effect uh, to make you look a couple of times before you figure out it's been painted. That to me is, is what what uh, what I search to do. That that's that's what I'm trying to do uh, for for something that's considered self-expression. Uh, I would have no clue how to approach something like that. Hmm. Uh, I'm impressed. Go see, you know, the kind of work that you guys do, you get out there and do a wall and do it however you want to do it. That, that is impressive. Me, I work with clients. Uh, I've, I, I don't think I've ever gone to a wall and said, you know what, here, I think I'm going to do this on this. No, I work with a client and it's not my wall, it is their wall. Now I'll work with them and we'll develop a design. I'll, I'll, I'll provide the creativity, but it's based upon what they're looking for, as opposed to, you know, going out there and say, you know what, there's a wall. I know exactly what I'm going to paint on this. You know, this is my canvas. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do on this wall. More power to you. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a completely different art than what I do. Completely. Lakeisha, you've got a broad range of influences. What do you think about, you know, new school versus old school? Yeah, I think I'm I'm kind of in the middle, but I'm a little more traditional. So I, I uh, you know, I I work with clients, but and and being a portrait artist, I kind of tend toward the the, 
the more traditional look also. Um, and, and I don't work as much in the self-expression category as well. Um, but yeah. You know, I want to ask this question to all of you. Ghosty, I want you to answer first. How does yeah. it feel when you have people admiring your work? Like what goes through your mind when you drive by and you see folks gathered around one of your pieces? Uh, man, it's a great feeling, you know. it's uh, It gives you like this boost of energy to to keep doing more and creating more. Uh, but I want to touch on something that they said. Um, you know, you could be a graffiti artist, you could have a street background, and you could also do fine art. And the perfect example of that is well-known artist from Nashville, Moby Warner. Yep. You know, he started with us doing graffiti and still, you know, keeps that theme. But that doesn't hinder him from doing bigger, more, uh, you know, traditional looking pieces, realism. I myself do portraits as well. So I feel like there is, you know, nowadays you could, you could, you could be from one and also do the other, you know, I don't like the separation too much. I like to, uh, I feel like nowadays it's coming together. Mm -hmm. It's all coming together. Would you, Michael, would you and Lakeisha agree to that? Oh, absolutely. I, I think Moby does some fabulous work. I think he just finished that uh, new Titans mural on the back of the Margaritaville uh, which looks amazing. That that's his second one. Uh, mostly done. Uh, he done a lot of aerosol, a lot of spray. But he, he did some some a uh, little bit of brushwork, some rolling, and that type of thing. But I think he's just taken his craft and it expanded it in size, which says a lot. I've worked with. Uh, I, I've had uh, airbrush artists try to work with me before. They're used to working on eight and a half by eleven, and that's inches, not feet. Uh, and they do photorealistic work. Say, come work on this wall with me. The wall's 30 foot by 100 foot. Mm. They last maybe a day, and they will walk away because they are totally lost. Just from logistics, they simply can't handle it. So from somebody to take the spray work and go from something relatively small to do a you know, 100, 200 foot wall, I, my head is off. That is fabulous. Now, I want to get back to that earlier question, like how it feels to have folks admiring your work. Lakeisha, what goes through your mind when you see that? You know, I, I I'll I'll go um, I'll I'll talk about a collaborative mural that I did with Creative un, under uh, the the direction of Sharman Bates, uh, founder of Creative Girls Rock, um, Alicia. But uh, she she headed the the mural project, and there were six of us artists who worked on it. Um, and as we were working on that mural, it, it's it it's on the um, backside of the rollout building owned by Slim and Huskies. And as we were working on it, people would come by and they would stop and they 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 th thank us, they honk their horns. There was something about that because it, it, it felt like we were doing something for the community and, and the community was proud of it, you know? So I think that's the part I, for me that is, that keeps me going too, you know, just kind of seeing seeing the pride that that's on um, on the community's faces, especially when it's in a local neighborhood, you know, rather than maybe downtown and whatnot. But um, the, that's something that moves me, um, and and it goes beyond, you know. Yeah, I held to working on this, worked on this, but as a collective and what and what we can do for the community, that kind of moves me in a in a different way than than. The, then the accolades, oh, oh, you did this, right? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm just as moved by that, by the, the, the impact on the community. Mike, I'd like to get your answer in 30 
15 seconds. Oh, it's ego, baby. <laughs> it, it is awesome. It, it actually absolutely is. I remember we, we did a project out in Franklin, big wall, about 30 foot by 120 foot. We're up on the scaffolding on this thing, and all of a sudden we hear screaming from the background where these women were walking by and just literally screaming at what we were doing. They were so excited. You were a rock star. That huh? is that is why you do this, it just just to make people happy. Make awesome. them smile. You've done a great job. Awesome. That is muralist Michael Cooper along with Lakeisha Moore and Ghosty Lokes. I want you to join me on a shotgun ride that I did with Woke 3 as we met in front of the Legacy Mural. Representing uh, folks who are from our past, um, you know, our leaders uh, like John Lewis. I mean, we got Delma Harper up there. Even my grandma, my dad, they're up there. Harold Love Sr. Um, then over here on this side, we have a bunch of kids. My, my daughter is there. My friend's kids are up there. Um, the folks who live around the neighborhood, who live right and directly in front of the mural, are there. Tell me your first and last name. Paula Thomas. All right, Miss Paula. <laughs> so you are in the mural. Tell me about that. Jay, the artist, he came over, introduced, and he was putting people on the wall. So he, he said, you got a picture, give me the picture, and we'll go from there. And I sit out here every day and watch him from the beginning to the end. So I said, you know, God have called me home, my kids, I'm still here. Uh -huh. I'm on historical Jefferson Street. That's right. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> How does that feel? That's wonderful. It's an amazing feeling. It really is. I've always imagined something being right here. All of these walls in this community, they were blank. So it was, this wall was so big, I was, it's like you can put a really strong message onto this uh, piece and everybody coming down Jefferson Street, they would see it the colors and make it pop and everything. How long did it take you all to do this from start to finish? Oh, <laughs> it was two months it took us. Okay. I mean, we would spend at least 13 hours a day on this mural. You want to take a ride around and check out some yeah, other ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. Let's man. do Most it. Yeah. We are across the street from the Elks Lodge mural. We can just roll yeah. straight over there. Let's ride over there okay. and then we can just ride into the other spots. Okay, that's good. That's Perfect. Good. Yeah. All right, let me guess. Mm -hmm. We got two people playing instruments, Jimi Hendrix mm -hmm. and John Lee Hooker. <laughs> no, Johnny Jones, but Johnny Lee Hooker, he's, oh, he's, he's bad, though. All right. That's, that's Johnny Jones. Okay. Um, as I've gotten more into creating murals, I've just been meeting more you know, elders who have lived here, and people are just telling me different stories, and I, I, I start reading different things, and just learning about clubs that were out here, and then learning that this was Club Baron, and, People like Jimi Hendrix, they were here playing, you mm -hmm. know, and I heard about this guitar battle they had, and I just, I was so excited about, like, to hear about that and to hear about the other folks who play here. I was like, man, this would be a dope spot to tell that story. So, actually, me and Sensei worked on this mural together. So, you, you grew up out here? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've been out here all my life, you know. My grandma, uh, she's, uh, she's been living in North Nashville since 1960. I was actually raised by my grandma uh, and you know she said I would kind of draw all over the walls and things back <laughs> in the day. I don't remember doing that 
you said I, that's what I would be into drawing all the time I do remember making uh, like comic books and things like that yeah drawing on the walls I mean that was like a sign huh yeah yeah that's what she says it's just funny that she actually witnessed it like okay yeah now now he's painting on walls and things so mm -hmm. she got to see that whole thing what I love about murals is if you pay attention in your neighborhood here you have world-class art that tells the story of your yes, neighborhood yes you don't have to always go to the gallery to see beautiful art. You can go into a neighborhood and learn about the neighborhood to, like through the arts. Mm -hmm. Like like learning about these um, these murals and these public art pieces. It's really just about going out and experiencing the community. All right, what are we looking at here? So this is the Family Matters mural. This was done by North Art Collective. With um, Dojo as a lead artist, Dojo created the sketch for this mural and we basically followed it like a blueprint. So this is Urban Housing Solutions, their property. And this was the first time we used a boom lift. I mean, driving those things down this hill and trying to go to do the grass is really wet. So we were trying to turn it around to face the wall. And I just remember it sliding down the hill and <laughs> okay. you're just up there on this thing like freezing up because it's your first time up there so yeah luckily i wasn't driving that was that was Joe. Okay. i was there to i was there to make sure everything was okay but it was it was a, ah man but now it's, i love i love going this <laughs> i just can't wait to get on another one man thank yeah. you again brother yes yes i appreciate you word i'm gonna get a shot of us but i'm gonna do it outside of the okay the van all right i'm not doing a shotgun on a boom lift anytime soon but that was fun. Shout out to Woke 3. We want to thank everyone who listened this hour. Tune in Monday because it's the one year anniversary of the Black Opry. And we'll be talking about who country music is really for. Spoiler alert, it's y'all. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Tasha A.F. Lemley. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tutto. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Paige Flager, Mary Mavis, and Alexis Marshall. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and tell us what you want to hear from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekulona. We'll see you Monday, everybody. And be good to each other. <laughs>